welcome to the Divine Will Podcast, where we read and study the writings of the Servant of God, Louisa Picaretta. Let us begin. Volume 14, February 9th, 1922 Being in my usual state, I was following the hours of the Passion, and as I accompanied my dear Jesus in the mystery of his painful scourging, he appeared with his flesh hanging in tatters. His body was stripped, not only of his clothes, but also of his flesh. It was possible to count his bones one by one. His appearance was not only heartrending, but horrible to behold, to the extent that it instilled apprehension, dread, reverence, and love all at once. I was mute before such a heart-breaking scene, and would have done anything to alleviate my sweet Jesus. But I knew not what to do. The sight of his sufferings brought me to the point of death. Then Jesus, all goodness, said to me, My dear daughter, look upon me well, so that you may know the depth of my sufferings. My body is a true picture of man when he sins. Sin strips man of the clothing of my grace. In order to give man my grace anew, I had myself stripped of my clothes. Sin deforms man and converts him, who is the most beautiful creation of my hands, into the ugliest and most horrible, to the point of disgust and repugnance. I was the most splendid of men, and to give man his beauty anew, I can say that my humanity acquired the ugliest appearance. Look at me. Look how horrible I am. I had my skin and flesh removed by the whips and became unrecognizable. Sin not only removes man's beauty, but also inflicts deep wounds, full of rot, truly gangrenous wounds, that corrode man's most intimate self and consume his vital essence. Therefore, everything done in the state of sin is a dead work, a skeletal work that snatches from man the nobility of his origin, the light of his reason, and makes him blind. To fill the depths of man's wounds, I had my flesh ripped from me, so that all of me became a single wound, by shedding rivers of my blood, I made my vital essence flow once again in man's soul to give him life once more. Ah, if I did not have within me my divinity, which is the fount of life, I would have died at the beginning of my passion. At each suffering that was inflicted upon me, my humanity died, and my divinity sustained me. Now my sorrows, my blood, my flesh, ripped off in shreds, all are always in the act of giving life to man. But man rejects my blood so that he does not receive life, and he tramples upon my flesh so that he remains full of wounds himself. Oh, how heavily I feel the weight of man's ingratitude. Then Jesus, throwing himself into my arms, broke into tears. I squeezed him close to my heart as he shook from weeping. How heartbreaking it is to see Jesus weep. 
I would have been willing to suffer any sorrow to keep him from crying. I gave him my compassion, I kissed his wounds, and I dried his tears. Then somewhat comforted, he added, Do you know how I behave? I behave like a father who loves his son very much, but the son is blind, deformed, paralyzed, etc. What does the father who loves him to the point of distraction do? The father takes his own eyes, tears off his own legs, strips himself of his own skin, and giving himself to his son says, I am happier being blind, deformed, and paralyzed, as long as I know that you, my son, can see, can walk, and are beautiful. Oh, how happy that father would be realizing that his son now sees with the father's own eyes, walks with the father's legs, and is clothed in the father's beauty. But how great would the father's pain be when he realized that his son, in an act of ingratitude, removed the father's eyes, legs, and skin, preferring to remain the horrible creature that he was. That is how I am. I have stripped myself of everything to give it to man. I have provided for everything. But ungrateful mankind inflicts upon me my cruelest pain. Volume 16, January 14, 1924 The divine will was everything for man, and with it he needed nothing. Before being scourged, Jesus wanted to be stripped in order to give back to the creature the royal garment of the divine will. I was accompanying the mystery of the scourging, compassionating my sweet Jesus, when he saw himself so confused in the midst of enemies, stripped of his garments under a storm of blows. And my lovable Jesus, coming out of my interior, in the state he was in when he was scourged, told me, My daughter, do you want to know why I was stripped when I was scourged? In each mystery of my passion, first I occupied myself with joining the split between the human will and the divine and then with the offenses which this split produced. When man in Eden broke the bonds of the union between the supreme will and his will, he stripped himself of the royal garments of my will and clothed himself with the miserable rags of his will, weak, inconstant, impotent, to doing anything good. My will was a sweet enchantment for him, which kept him absorbed within a most pure light, which made him know nothing but his God, from whom he had come, and who gave him nothing but innumerable happinesses. And he was so absorbed within the so much giving of his God to him, that he would not give not a thought to himself. Oh, how happy man was, and how the divinity delighted in giving him so many particles of his being, or as many as the creature can receive, in order to make him similar to himself. So, as soon as he broke the union of our will with his, he lost the royal garment, he lost the enchantment, 
the light, the happiness. He looked at himself without the light of my will, and in looking at himself without the enchantment which kept him absorbed, he came to know himself. He felt ashamed. He became afraid of God, so much so that his very nature felt the sad effects of this. He felt the cold and his nakedness, and felt the vital need to cover himself. Just as our will kept him within the port of immense happiness, so did his will put him in the port of miseries. Our will was everything for man, and in it he found everything. It was right that, having come out of us and living in our will as our tender child, he would live of it, and this will was to make up for everything he needed. Therefore, as he wanted to live of his own will, he became needy of everything, because the human will does not have the power to make up for all needs, nor does it contain the fount of good within itself. So he was forced to procure for himself with hardship the necessary things of life. Do you see, then, what it means not to be united with my will? Oh, if all knew it, they would have one yearning alone, that my will come to reign upon earth. So had Adam not withdrawn from the divine will, his nature also would have had no need of clothing. He would not have felt ashamed of his nakedness, nor would he have been subject to suffering cold, heat, hunger, weakness. But these natural things were almost nothing. Rather, they were symbols of the great good which his soul had lost. Therefore, my daughter, before being tied to the pillar to be scourged, I wanted to be stripped in order to suffer and repair for the nakedness of man, when he stripped himself of the royal garment of my will. I felt such confusion and pain within me in seeing myself stripped in the midst of enemies who were mocking me, that I cried over the nakedness of man, and I offered my nakedness to my celestial father, so that man might be clothed once again with the royal garment of my will, and as ransom, so that this would not be denied to me, I offered my blood, my flesh torn to shreds, and I let myself be stripped not only of my garments, but also of my skin, to be able to pay the price and satisfy for the crime of this nakedness of man. I poured out so much blood in this mystery that in no other did I pour so much, so much as to be enough to cover him with a second garment, a garment of blood, so as to cover him again, and then warm him and wash him, to dispose him to receive the royal garment of my will. On hearing this, surprised, I said, My beloved Jesus, how can it be possible that because he withdrew from your will, man felt the need to clothe himself, was ashamed, was afraid? But then you always did the will of the Celestial Father. You were one with him. Your mamma never knew her own will. Yet the two of you had need of clothing and food, and you felt the cold and the heat. And Jesus added, Yet, my daughter, it is precisely so. If man felt ashamed of his nakedness and was subject to many natural miseries, 
it was precisely because he lost the sweet enchantment of my will. And even though it was his soul that did evil, not his body, the body, however, indirectly, was as though accomplice with the wicked will of man. And so his nature remained as though profaned by the bad volition of man. Therefore, both the soul and the body had to feel the pain of the evil committed. As for me, indeed, I always did the supreme will. But I did not come to find an innocent man, a man before sin. Rather, I came to find a sinful man and with all his miseries. And so I had to associate myself with men, taking upon myself all of their evils and subjecting myself to all the necessities of life, as if I were one of them. However, in me there was this prodigy. If I wanted, I would need nothing, either clothing or food or anything else. But I did not want to make use of it out of love for man. I wanted to sacrifice myself and everything, even in the most innocent things created by me, in order to prove my ardent love to him. Even more, this served to impetrate from my divine Father that, out of regard for me and for my will, completely sacrificed to him, he would give back to man the noble royal garment of our will. Volume 17, July 1st, 1924 the blood of Jesus is the creature's defense against the Father's justice. He who gives himself to God loses his rights. I felt much oppressed for the privation of my adorable Jesus. Oh, how my heart bleeds, and I feel subjected to suffer continuous deaths. I felt that I could not go on any longer without him, and that my martyrdom could not be more harsh and as I searched to follow my Jesus in the various mysteries of his passion, I was able to accompany him in the mystery of his most sorrowful scourging. At that time he moved in my interior, filling me completely with his adorable person. Upon seeing him, I wanted to tell him about my difficult state, but Jesus, requesting silence, said to me, My daughter, let us pray together. These are certainly sad times in which my justice, not being able to contain itself because of the evils of creatures, would like to flood the earth with new scourges. Therefore, prayer in my will is necessary, which flowing over everyone places itself at the defense of creatures, and with its power impedes that my justice approach the creature to chastise it. How beautiful and moving it was to hear Jesus pray, and since I was accompanying him in the sorrowful mystery of the scourging, he made himself visible while shedding his blood, and I heard him say, My father, I offer you this my blood. O oh, let this cover all the intelligences of creatures, and render hollow all their evil thoughts. Quench the fire of their passions, and make reappear holy intelligences. Let this blood cover their eyes and veil their sight, so that the appeal of evil pleasures does not enter their eyes, and they not be defiled with the mud of the earth. Let my blood 
cover and fill their mouths and render their lips dead to blasphemies, imprecations, and all their wicked words. My Father, let this blood cover their hands. Make it be such that so many disgraceful acts become repulsive to man. Let this blood circulate in our eternal will to cover everyone and defend everyone. Let it be the creature's defensive armor before the rights of our justice. But who can say the way Jesus prayed and all that he said? And so after that he became silent, and I felt in my interior how Jesus took my poor little soul in his hands, embraced it, retouched it, and looked at it. Then I said to him, My love, what are you doing? Is there something in me that displeases you? And he, I am working and expanding your soul in my will, but I should not explain to you what I am doing, because you, having given yourself completely to me, have lost your rights, and those rights are now mine. Do you know what is your only right? It is that my will be yours, and provide you all that it can to make you happy in time and in eternity. Volume 8, September 6, 1908 Jesus suffered the scourging to reunite lost humanity to his humanity. Continuing in my usual state, I thought about the mystery of the scourging. Then coming to me, Jesus placed his hands on my shoulders, and in my interior I heard him say, My daughter, I wanted that from my whole humanity my flesh be torn to shreds and scattered, as well as my blood poured out in order to reunite lost humanity. In fact, by doing this, of everything which had been torn from my humanity, flesh, blood, and hair, nothing would be lost in the resurrection, but all would be reunited again in my humanity. With the scourging, I incorporated all creatures into me. Consequently, after this, whoever leaves me does so because of an obstinate will, which rips him from me, and he goes away and becomes lost. The Hours of the Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ The 8 a.m. hour, midway, it reads, Your moans continue to say, Look at me, O Father. I am all wounded under this storm of blows, but that is not all that I want. I want to form enough wounds in my body to make homes for all souls in the heaven of my humanity. I want to form their salvation in myself and make them pass into the heaven of my divinity. My Father, let every lash of these scourges make reparation before you for every kind of sin. As these lashes strike me, may they excuse those who inflict them. May these blows strike the hearts of creatures, speak to them of my love, and make them surrender to me. As you say this, the love with which you suffer is so intense, even though your pain is excruciating, that you almost incite your torturers to beat you more. My Jesus, you are stripped of your flesh. Your love overwhelms me. I feel as if I am losing my mind. 
Your love is still not tired, but the executioners feel too weak to continue their butchery. They cut your ropes and you fall, almost dead, in your own blood. As you see the shreds of your own flesh, you almost die of sorrow, contemplating the loss of the damned souls. So great is your sorrow that you almost drown in your own blood. My Jesus, let me take you into my arms to restore you a little with my love. I kiss all your wounds and I enclose all souls in you with my kiss so that no one will be lost and you bless me. Volume 14, June 15, 1922 Continuing in my usual state, I was reflecting upon the holy will of God, and as I fused myself in it, my ever-lovable Jesus said to me, My daughter, my eternal will was the central point of my life. From the first instant of my conception until my last breath, it preceded me, it accompanied me, and made itself the life of each one of my acts. It followed me and enclosed each one of my acts within the eternal boundaries of my volition, from which these acts could find no exit. Because of its immensity, there is nothing within which my eternal will does not flow, nor generation in which it does not dominate. It was natural for my will to form my acts and replicate them for all, as if they were done alone for each individual creature. One can only give what one possesses. Regardless of one's power, one cannot give more than one possesses. My will possessed the immensity and the power to multiply my acts into as many as it desired. It possessed eternity within which it encompassed all things all things that existed for creatures in their respective present times, from the beginning to the end of time. That is why from the first instant of my conception, the power of my will formed as many conceptions of me as there would be creatures. It replicated my words, my thoughts, my works, and my steps, and it extended them from the first to the last man in existence. The power of the eternal will converted my blood and my sorrows into immense oceans from which all could partake. Were it not for the prodigy of the supreme will, my very redemption would have been but a single event, limited and beneficial to only one generation. My will has not changed, as it was then, it is now, and shall ever be. But there is much more. For when I came to earth, I reunited the divine will with the human will. If a soul does not reject this bond, but rather surrenders itself to the mercy of my divine will, and allows my divine will to precede it, accompany it, and follow it, and if it allows its acts to be encompassed by my will, then what happened to me happens to that soul. As you fused your thoughts, your words, your acts, your reparations, and your little love in my will, I extended them, I multiplied them, and they became an antidote and remedy for every thought, for every word, for every act. They became reparation for each offense, and they became love for every love that is due me.
If this does not occur, it is only because the defective human will does not hurl itself totally into the arms of the divine will, and accordingly does not take everything. It cannot therefore give to everyone. It experiences human sensations which make it miserable, which limit it, which impoverish it, and make it biased in its decisions. That is why I am so interested in having your will make its life in my will. This is why I am so interested in having you comprehend what it means to live in my will, inasmuch as it is possible for a creature to comprehend it. If you live in my will, you will have possessed everything, and you will give me everything. Having said this, Jesus disappeared. Later he returned and appeared all covered with lacerations, each of which formed a small cell into which Jesus called souls in order to enclose them therein and bring them to safety. Then I said, My love, show me my cell, that I may enclose myself therein, never more to emerge. Jesus replied, My daughter, there are no little cells for you in my body, because whoever lives in my will cannot live in a single compartment of mine, but rather must live in the palpitation of my heart. The heartbeat is the center and the life of the human body. If the heart ceases to beat, life ends. The heartbeat makes the blood circulate. It provides warmth, sustains respiration, and consequently maintains the strength and mobility of the body's members. If the heartbeat is irregular, then all human activity will be disordered. Even the intelligence loses its vivacity, its ingenuity, and the fullness of its intellective light. This is because when I created man, I placed a special tone in man's heart, one that is attuned to the eternal harmony, so that if the heartbeat is healthy, then everything in a creature is in harmony. Similarly, my will is like the heartbeat in a creature's body. If my will palpitates, it harmonizes holiness and virtues. It creates harmony between heaven and earth, a harmony which extends to the sacrosanct trinity. That is why it is my heartbeat that offers itself to you as the chamber within which to enclose yourself. Palpitating thus, as one heartbeat with mine, you will create harmony between heaven and earth. You will flow into the past, in the present, and into the future, and you will find yourself everywhere, circulating totally in me and I in you. Volume 12, October 4, 1917 In order to humiliate man hardened in sin, other chastisements are still necessary. In order to save man, Jesus places around him all that he did and suffered. This morning, my always amiable Jesus transported me outside of myself. He was in my arms, and his face was so close to mine that softly, quietly, he kissed me, as if he did not want me to notice it. However, having repeated his kisses, I could not contain myself from reciprocating with kisses of mine. But while I kissed him, the thought came to me to kiss his most holy lips, to try to suck the bitterness that he contained. 
Who knows if Jesus would not see this to me? I asked, I tried, I begged that he pour his bitterness into me, and again I sucked more forcefully, but nothing. It seemed that my Jesus suffered from the efforts that I made to him. Moreover, having repeated them with ardor a third time, I felt the very bitter breath of Jesus come into me, and I saw a hard thing obstructing his throat, which was unable to get out and which prevented the bitternesses that he contained from coming forth so that he could pour them into me. Then my afflicted Jesus, almost crying, said to me, My daughter, my daughter, resign yourself. Do you not see the hardness that man has caused me by sin, such that he impedes me from making a participant of my bitterness, the one who loves me? Alas, do you not remember when I first said to you, Let me do it, otherwise man will reach such a point of doing so much evil as to exhaust evil itself, and as to not know what other evil to do, and you did not want me to strike man? And man is always becoming worse. He has accumulated in himself so much pus that not even the war was able to make this pus come out. War has not stopped man, rather it has emboldened him more. The revolutions will make him furious, and the misery will make him despair and give himself in arms to crime. Then in like manner, all this will serve to make the corruption that man contains come out. Consequently, my goodness, not indirectly on the part of creatures, but directly from heaven, will strike man. These chastisements will be as a beneficial dew which will descend from heaven and will exhaust man. Touched by my hand, he will recognize his Creator. Therefore, daughter, pray that all be for the good of man. Jesus remained with his bitterness, and I was afflicted, because I was not able to relieve Jesus. Scarcely did I feel his loving breath on me, then I found myself in myself, and so I felt worried. The words of Jesus tormented me. I saw before my mind the terrible future and Jesus, to calm me, returned. Moreover, so as to distract me, he said to me, How much love, how much love, do you see? While I suffered, and pain formed in me, I said, My pain go, run, go in search of man, help him, my pains, and be the strength of his pains. As I spilled my blood, I said to each drop, Run, run, save man for me. Further, if he is dead, give him life, but divine life, and if he flees, run after him, surround him, confound him with love, so that he surrenders. As I continued forming the wounds in my body, beneath the flagellations I repeated, My wounds do not remain with me, but search for man. Moreover, if you find him wounded by sin, place yourselves a seal to heal him. Thus, all that I did and said, I put around man to place him in safety. You also, for my love, do not keep anything for yourself, but make all run toward man, so as to save him, 
and I will regard you as another myself. This concludes our podcast for today. This podcast is coming from the Louisa Picaretta Center for the Divine Will. For more information, please call 423-566-5178. Thank you for listening. God bless.